Hello, I'm Bonnie Snowden, ex-corporate person and mother turned successful artist entrepreneur. It wasn't that long ago though that I lacked the confidence, vision and support network to focus on growing my dream business. Fast forward past many life curveballs, waves of self-doubt and so many lessons learned and you'll see Ignite, my thriving online coloured pencil artist community. A community that changes members' lives for the better and gives me freedom to live abundantly whilst doing what I love and spending quality time with my beloved family and dogs. All whilst creating my best artwork with coloured pencils and mentoring others to do the same. But this life wasn't always how it was for me. It used to only exist in my imagination. I've created the It's a Bonnie Old Life podcast to help increase people's confidence, share mine and my community's experience and hope through fascinating personal stories, champion the other amazing humans in my personal, professional and membership community and create another channel through which I can support others to realise their dreams. If you're a passionate coloured pencil artist or an aspiring one who's looking to create their best work and a joyful life you love, you're in the right place. Grab a cuppa and a custard cream. Let's get cracking. When you open up your mind and start to take responsibility for your own actions and really understand how you work and behave as a person, you'll find that things start to happen. Things start to change. I met my next guest as part of a coaching group and her story really inspired me. I'm delighted to introduce Caroline Baber, life coach and NLP master practitioner. Oh, it's so nice to see you again. I'm so excited to chat to you. I've been really looking forward to this. I've been following your art on Instagram. I keep showing everybody your drawings. I think are absolutely amazing. Oh, that's really sweet. Thank you. It's funny, isn't it, how we kind of meet people that you would never, you would never ever meet, I don't think, unless you were kind of on, well, uh, because of the internet. And, and obviously we met through Nina's fantastic coaching course. And yeah. it's just... It's brilliant, isn't it? When you put yourself out there and you do things that maybe you probably wouldn't necessarily do. I don't know. I, I, I mean, it wasn't really a whim for me to do the coaching course. It was something I'd really wanted to do. And then it was kind of word of mouth. Oh, you should try this lady. And then joining that for the 16 days that we were all together. It was incredible, wasn't it? Yeah, it's fantastic, isn't it? That's I, I totally agree with you. It's meeting all these new people that you wouldn't normally meet and then finding out that you have so much in common with them. That's what I find so incredible. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, yeah, it blows my mind. And, and you know, sometimes people talk about social media and the internet and, and it all, and it all gets a little bit too, you know, where we were just writing letters and meeting local people and everything, but actually it opens up like this huge world where you can get to know people and, you know, the fascinating stories and everything that everybody has. Yeah. It's yeah. just brilliant. I'm just so pleased that you're you're going to chat to me and I really hope that we can do some work you know in the future together anyway um so I don't know whether you just want to introduce yourself and just tell us a little bit about who you are what you do what you've done anything sure okay so um I am a life coach and NLP therapist I used to be, so my background is in sports coaching, so specifically dressage. So I did that for a really long time. I had a lot of horses. I bred horses and and horses and coached people. I absolutely loved it. And then my experience with NLP then led to me thinking, this is such an incredible tool. I want to be able to use this with my um, sports coaching clients. And actually through the journey, I then 
realized that I wanted to expand and not just um, use it on the sports side of things. And so it's been quite a long journey for me. But through that and through recognizing and working on my own challenges, I've then found a sort of an amazing group of people and my clients that I work with that I help with with their struggles and it's quite similar to the sports coaching in that it's working on mindset helping people sort of excel and and shine I suppose to really help them achieve their goals and I think coaching should be really motivating and empowering for people so I try and hopefully give a bit of that to my clients and I guess the thing that I found coming into life coaching was that a lot of people didn't realize why they would want or need a life coach which was quite different to in the sports world everybody has a coach everybody wants a coach coaches are really valued and sought after and I find it interesting that people I suppose for for sports they they recognize that need but but people struggle on with their lives without realizing the benefit of having a coach I think and I absolutely love it I think everybody should have a coach and that was how I got into it was through having coaching and NLP myself so that's pretty much I suppose what I do and I yeah I have some dogs and horses and all that kind of amazing stuff that just sort of adds a little bit of um, joy to my life yeah it, what you were saying about the um you know sports people having coaches and how it's the norm and how they really you know value that particular sort of side of things and then you get uh, and and I guess business people as well. A, a lot of business, a lot of big businesses have the performance coaches. You know, mm-hmm. helping people to kind of get you know get through, uh, become better. But for everyday people, you're absolutely right. If everybody had a coach, the world would, would be the most amazing place. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. And I think in sports. It- it's really recognized that you know at elite level there's not that much difference in ability it all comes down to mindset whereas in everyday life I think a lot of people are sort of struggling on and they don't realize that it's the mindset that's perhaps holding them back or causing them discomfort and being able to change that that way of thinking is so powerful and I think there's a really lovely quote. I think it's from Einstein that you can't solve your um, problems with with the same thinking that you use to create them. And I think that's so true. And that's where coaching really comes in is that it helps people to untangle their thoughts and to change their thinking so that they can then take back their power and live a more fulfilled life. And you know there's so so many people are starting to recognize that but even at you know executive level people are still struggling on with burnout and stress and all of these things because they're driven and carrying on with the same patterns of thinking yeah is is crazy isn't it do you get people who I, I guess probably some clients will but do you get people when you talk to them and they just go oh no 
you know, this is me. I can't change. You know, this is who I am. And yeah, it's not going to work for me and all of that kind of stuff. And and again, it's that mindset of this is me. I can't change. It's not going to work for me. It's that mindset that will scupper them completely from them being able to look into a completely different way of thinking and a different way of being able to take their life forward. Do you get that quite a lot with your clients or are they quite sort of open-minded? Yeah, I don't really get that with my clients because they've obviously come to me to make that change. So they're they're ready to listen. They want to put in the work and there's normally an element or a level of discomfort that they want to change and their own thinking isn't getting them out of that so so not so much with that but of course like in everyday life you know there are people that will say I can't I can't change or I think a lot of it comes down to as well like blaming other things external things or looking for something outside to fix us you know when I get this then I'll be happy or if this happens or if this comes off and and of course that kind of thinking and that blame type of thinking just keeps us stuck so of course it's it is something that is a real problem and it, and that's what kept me stuck for a long time as well it's for me it was that refusing to listen I think not not wanting to hear that there was a better way you know stubbornly sort of carrying on down the same path and having that checklist of when I get all of this done or when I've done this then everything will be great when I've made this perfect then it would be fantastic and of course I got to a point where I had all of those things and there was something missing and that was where I had to look at myself to change and change my own thinking and my own behavior but it it can be quite hard to to firstly recognize that and then do something about it but I don't think I've ever met anyone that's been down that road and regretted it no, no. I know we we talked about our um oh, we did a huge amount of talking, didn't we, within those 16 days. I mean, spending 16 full days with a group of people, you know, you think at the time you think, oh, it's just 16 days, but actually it's a very long time to spend in in, you know, literally from 10 till five. And I absolutely agree. I can't remember whether I I mentioned when I was working for a corporate probably back in 20. I think it was 2013. Um, and this was when I first kind of cottoned on to that there was something called coaching. I, I didn't even know there was a thing, mm. you know, I didn't realize it was a thing back then. I'd, I'd moved up in the corporate ladder to become a senior manager. And I had a team probably, it was probably about, I don't know, 15 or something in the team, working sort of design, account management, print, all that kind of stuff. And uh, I was a studio manager. and what happens i think when you grow in that in a position you kind of take on the what all of the other managers do uh, and you kind of see it's almost like a you know what you do as i say mm. this is how you this is how this team is going to work i tell you what to do and you do as i say and if it, and if you don't do as i say then that's not good and what really i hadn't i was so passionate about my role but what i hadn't realized was that my passion was actually coming through as being quite aggressive at times and people listen to me now and they go oh, bonnie don't you know that's rubbish and and i said well that's how i have got a very passionate personality i get re, i do get really passionate about stuff and i I'd, I'd gone on a dressage training day 
it was called Inspiring Minds and it was one day and it was to help my riding. And we had all of these NLP techniques within it. You know, we had, it was the circle of excellence, but it wasn't, it was the magic button. We had some swooshing stuff. We had all sorts of things in there. Mm. Came away from there thinking, oh my goodness, this has just blown my mind for one, but totally changed how I now feel about things. And at the same time, we were having one of those dreaded 360s in my work and it came back what you know the feedback I got from my peers and my the people in my team was really not very good at all and it was I either change my behavior and my attitude or I go and that's a really hard thing to do and I'm you know so I I changed I changed my attitude I changed my behavior and it was all from that one day of doing this, you know, NLP techniques, coaching, you know, whatever, it totally and utterly changed the whole outlook on life. And and now, obviously, here here I am now, and it it's it's a really really powerful powerful thing. And I suspect that you probably went through quite a similar thing, you know, when you kind of were having to think about how am I going to change. I mean, can you can you share a little bit of your your journey? Yeah, sure. I think I totally agree with you. I think NLP is unbelievably powerful. And I knew absolutely nothing about it before I had my own experience with it. And I think like you're saying, sometimes it takes that level of pain to sort of kickstart that desire to actually change something. And for me, I, I was working sort of 80 hour weeks, and almost I think we can get so busy that there's no time to reflect, that we don't give ourselves that sort of quiet space to actually stop and and think and reflect on on our journey and and look at ourselves, I suppose. And so for me, I was just carrying on, you know, working myself into the ground. And I, I suppose I'd had quite a lot of, I don't know if you believe in sort of the universe and fate and all of that kind of thing but I had had quite a few what I would say now were little warnings that I just ignored and I just bullheadedly carried on down the same path and I had a a bad accident on a client's horse where it threw itself over backwards on top of me and it broke my acetabulum to my my hip socket I had the time off work so I think it was three months on crutches and had big competition after this break that I was planning on getting straight back on my stallions taking them to this show and it never occurred to me that there'd be any reason why I couldn't do that and after I felt I was okay to start riding again I went to get back on a horse and had all its saddle and bridle on took it down to the arena and I I didn't feel any worry about the, the thought of riding but as soon as it came to putting my foot in the stirrup I, I physically couldn't do it it's like there was something completely stopping me and I just stood there and cried and I couldn't make myself get on the horse and being quite a sort of stubborn determined sort of person I persevered and forced myself to get on on the horses because I thought gosh I, I you know I can't not ride this is part of my my job and I realized that I was almost going to recreate the accident again. I rode a lot of young horses and I could feel myself through 
um, like uh, I suppose a, a fear, um, unable to sort of relax or let the horse go forwards. I was holding holding onto the reins, and the horse that had broken my hip socket had shot backwards and thrown itself over on top of me. And because I had that in my head, the thought that it was going to happen again, I was almost recreating that scenario. And I obviously recognised that it was a big problem. And I spoke to a couple of friends and a friend of mine who was also a, a professional trainer, he said to me, you have to go and see this woman. She's amazing. And she was an NLP coach. And I was so sceptical, but I was at the point bit like you said where it was if I don't sort this I don't know what I'm going to do so I I thought okay I'll I'll try it and I went to see her her name's uh, Cherie Russell and she's absolutely incredible and I went to see her and was I was so skeptical you know I thought this isn't going to work but I'm going to go along with it and so the first session, we sort of ended up discussing my business a little bit and which direction it was going going in. And she helped me with a couple of business decisions. And then the second session, she helped me specifically with this issue of not being able to get on the horse and not being able to ride. And she used some NLP techniques. And I honestly walked straight out there, went and got on a horse and felt completely normal. And I couldn't believe it. It was absolutely mind-blowing and through having those sessions it was almost as if all the files in my mind had sort of been slotted into place and I just it was like my eyes were suddenly open I could see everything around me and realize that there were a lot of things that I needed to change and I, I think you know for me that experience was so powerful that I thought you know after I'd sort of started to work down the process of changing myself, I realised I wanted to be able to help my sports coaching clients by using these NLP techniques. And so I st- that was how I got into training originally with the NLP and became a master practitioner and did the coaching. And I was doing a bit of sports coaching, and a bit of life coaching, but I've now gone completely down the life coaching route. I absolutely love it. And so my life has done a bit of a 180, but it's just absolutely amazing that that it works. And even when you don't think it's going to work, it works. And that's been my experience with my clients as well. You know, even if they're a bit skeptical, as long as they're willing, you know, they've just got to be willing to try it, that then they have that experience as well. Oh, that's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And and it's funny, isn't it? You know, you can be sceptical, but also open-minded. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, you could have said, oh, no, you know, no, 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 it's not for me, you know, bit of voodoo or whatever, mm. <laughs> Weird, weirdness. But being open-minded and, and really wanting that help, you know, but it's, ah, oh, yeah. But don't you feel as well that once you start going down that route and you start to be you almost get exposed to all sorts of other people who are kind of in that kind of arena. Mm. Then you really start to look at your, like you, you know, my whole life has completely changed. And because of how I've been working on me, on myself and how, you know, uh, and I think it's one of the most important things that we can do as humans is to really uh, almost look inwards and work out who we are, how we work, how we behave, how we interact with other people, 
because it just tells us so much about why things are going wrong, why things aren't working, why things are working brilliantly. And it's just, oh, it's amazing. I've I've kind of sort of put myself in that place where I'm meeting all of these these different people that I've never met before. So much so I'm having my star chart done this afternoon at two o'clock and I'm so excited. Wow, that sounds incredible. Oh, I love to hear how that goes. I know, I'm so excited about it. Um, so you still ride? I do still ride. So I've, I've got a couple of horses near my house and I, I own a a seventh of a horse that's up in Northumberland. So I, I still have horses, but I don't have a huge amount of time to ride them anymore. So so I it's more of a hobby now. You know, I just ride when I when I have the time, which which actually I really enjoy that. You know, there's no pressure, obviously competing and selling horses and training and constantly working in that environment. There's a lot of pressure to perform, to always be at your best and and actually, it's it's lovely to to not have that anymore. You know, I've had that for for so much of my life, and I, I think with any sports, you know, competitive sports, that that element of competition, of course, it drives you, but it also is quite a lonely place to be. You know, when you're always competing against everyone, and and your friends are people that you're competing against as well, and and it's lovely to not to not be in that in that field anymore. Oh, that's really nice. Um, we were talking, oh, we've had some forwards and backwards messages and everything. And and uh, you were telling me about, so your family is really creative and arty, aren't they? And you're really creative as well. We have, I come from a really arty family, yeah. So my um, grandfather, my father's father was a commercial illustrator and he illustrated loads of well-known children's books. And, and it's sort of, was always in the family so my father was a graphic designer and then my brother and he's a designer a publisher and does typography and my sister also did a graphic design degree and I always presumed that I would be an artist it never really occurred to me to do anything else and I, I was going to go to university and do fine art that was always my plan loved oil painting and as a teenager, I was just an absolute nightmare. A teenager from hell went completely off the rails, was more interested in partying, not interested in doing any work at college, couldn't be bothered to fill in my UCAS form to go to university. And so that's the reason I never went to university, never did art, followed a completely different path and sort of fell into working with horses. I, I'd had horses at, from sort of the age of about 10, but it was never my intention to work with them. It, it, I think out of desperation, my my mother had spoken to a friend who had said, oh, so-and-so's looking for a groom. And I, I said, oh, okay, I'll go and do that. That sounds fine. Went and did that. Thought that would be an easy job. And just carried on that, down that path. And I am quite determined. So once I started something, I didn't want to be proven wrong or, or almost step back and look that maybe I hadn't made the right decision which of course I could have changed it, but I, I was too stubborn to do that. So I carried on down that path. When I was 20, I set up my first business and just sort of carried on down that route. And it was only, like I said, through having that accident and getting to a point where I'd achieved all of this stuff. And I had you know, a beautiful farm and 
had I'd designed my own house, which we'd have built and had a lovely lifestyle. But suddenly it's like, oh, maybe I took the wrong fork in the road. <laughs> and and it's really difficult to actually to actually admit that, I think, you know, it's quite a big thing, especially, you know, when you're for me, my career was such a big part of my identity. People knew who I am. You you become you have recognition within that field. So to then stop and say this isn't right, it it's quite a big for me, it was quite a big thing. And and it took it, you know, I needed that sort of slap around the face really to to actually make those changes. And I think I think everybody needs to get to some level of discomfort to to want to change. Yeah. And that, I mean, that, again, I think it takes a, a, a huge amount of courage because it would be so easy, wouldn't it? It would be so easy just to go, well, I've got this lovely house. I've got this lovely life. I'm just going to sit here. But actually, happiness is just so much more than a lovely house and and land and everything, isn't it? Happiness. You can be happy anywhere, whether you live in a mud hut or whether you live in a, you know, a, a massive mansion. If you haven't got that, <laughs> happiness then well then what's the what's the point really yeah I, I totally agree and I think happiness like anything you know it comes and goes in in waves nothing's sort of linear but for me the the biggest gift that I've got through changing my my lifestyle is is some level of inner peace and that feeling of serenity and I wouldn't trade that for anything you know that's it, it's absolutely incredible I think once you have a taste of it you don't want to go back to that constant you know madness of working every second of the day and driving yourself and and never stepping back to question what's actually driving you 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 know for me it was actually fear you know but I I couldn't see that in myself I would have said to you you know a few years ago if you'd asked me I'd have said I'm completely fearless I have no fear but actually it was nonsense and once I think it's it's opening a can of worms isn't it once you start down that journey of of reflection and looking at yourself it it opens up such a huge can of worms and and I had to do the work to actually get there to recognize it and to be able to to change it but I I I had no idea before I was just it was just I kept myself so busy that I never had to stop and think about what it was that was driving me yeah and I don't think you're alone at all in that I mean I know I've I've had very similar I think we just you know tenacious um you know we've got high levels of you know of bounce back where you know when something happens it's just right oh, dust yourself off off we go again and all of those little things they kind of they 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 don't niggle away well for me they didn't niggle away because I just pushed them I pushed them into a little drawer at the back of my mind and and there they stayed yeah. But actually that was, you know, and I'd say, oh no, I don't need to, don't need to see anybody about anything. No, 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 everything's fine and blah, blah, blah. And and actually I really, I really did. And it's when you because they've been kind of pushed away, and I it's almost like I didn't want to admit that they'd happen. I mean, you know, I mm-hmm. had some issues with well, I, I I had a very happy marriage. I had a very, very happy marriage. And sadly, when my husband's father died. He then became incredibly depressed, but but was the sort of person who really honestly completely believed that he could not change. Mm-hmm. He was who he was, 
this is me. This is what I do. He was totally really unhappy in his in his job. He loved his job, but he 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 hated the the routine. But he thrived on routine. So it was like his life was just this like knot of just not happiness. And he he wasn't a particularly nice person when he was depressed, and it you know it caused a lot of unhappiness. And it was almost like you know I, when I married him, I took my vows very seriously. Mm. and you know uh, my sister kept on saying you know you've got to leave him and I was like no for better for worse this is I married him and this is what I have to do and it and all of this unhappiness was just shoved away it was like a little I don't know a drawer or a carpet and I just was like well just put that under there and we don't talk about that because you know if I don't talk about it it hasn't happened but it got to the point where it just started to it metaphorically literally just started to come up and Mm. Through, uh, through panic attacks, through you know all of those sorts of things, and you can't hide stuff. You've you've got to let it out, but you've got to let it out in the right place and with the right mm. person. And I'm guessing you know your clients they'll have that amazing trust with you. You do a lot of hypnotherapy as well, don't you? I do use hypnotherapy as well, but but yes, mostly NLP coaching and. Yeah, I think the trust is really important. You know, I've had people come to me that have said, I don't need hypnotherapy, and that's that's fine. But quite often, a few sessions in, they actually, once you develop that trust with someone, they'll then say, do you think you could try hypnotizing me? You know, because people then, once you've tried it, it then opens your mind to all of these things. And that was what I found. If someone had said to me, go and be hypnotized, go and have NLP, I'd have said, absolutely no chance. But but once I'd had it, I wanted more of it. And and like anything, when you have something and it works or you get a good experience from it, you you want more of it. And I I had a very similar experience to you, Bonnie, with what you were discuss, just discussing. And I think what I found very hard to accept was that you can't change other people, that they have to want to change themselves. And that all we can do is, is change ourselves. And of course, that does change the way people react towards us. But but ultimately, we have no control over what other people do or think or or say. And, and that was quite hard for me because I was a complete control freak. So I, I tried to control every element of my life, not in a horrible way, but in a way that, you know, by if I make this person happy, then then they'll be OK and then I'll be OK. And, and and it's exhausting trying to live like that where you're trying to control every tiny aspect of yourself and i've since learned that that people pleasing just prevents the other person from growing and but it was just so ingrained in me i was a real people pleaser and i was trying to make everyone else happy i just thought that then then everything will be perfect you know if everyone else is happy around me i couldn't deal with the sort of highs and lows of other people's emotions or or accepting that they had their own agenda or thoughts or needs and wants. And that little thing of letting go and and practicing acceptance has been so key to me to having that inner peace and serenity, being able to accept everything else around me and, and let go of control, not controlling, not trying to change the outcome of things, because that is always, that creates that anxiety that trying to, 
not accepting that the outcome will be what the outcome will be. I was always trying to manipulate it, change it, change other people. And of course, I couldn't do that. It was exhausting. It gave me no inner peace whatsoever because I was just moving from the next thing to the next thing to the next thing. And being able to let go and just live life on life's terms is so liberating. It's it's just the most incredible way of living. I, yeah, I agree. I have a coach. I think I've, I've put you in touch with her, um, yeah. Susie Pearl. Oh, my goodness. She is she's the most amazing lady, uh, the most amazing lady. And, and she's like in a, in a really fantastic way. She's the biggest name. She knows everybody. Oh yes. Paul McCartney. Oh yes. You know, <laughs> she, knows, like, she knows everybody. And she was at, she was at Russell Brown's house a couple of weeks ago. I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> she's fantastic. But she has, she has been working with me for um, a year and a bit. And that feeling of anxiety. And, and I know anxiety is the most horrible thing to have it's crippling you can't breathe you've got that constant feeling of just dread in your body and there's there's always a reason for it you know there's there's anxiety doesn't just happen out of anywhere and there's always a reason for it and for me, I would get anxious about, I mean, I'm not a very anxious person. I, I don't I don't particularly worry about stuff, but there's certain things that trigger me. And and, and trigger is quite a, a sort of bit of a buzzword at the minute anyway, but isn't it? But, but, but the certain things that would trigger me, there were certain elements in um, my work life that would trigger me. And, you know, just silly things. And I've I've learned, and Susie's helped me with NLP techniques and all of that kind of stuff. I've got to the point now, and I hadn't realized I was doing it. I was discussing it with her yesterday morning, and she was like, oh, my God, Bonnie, that is just brilliant. If something triggers me and I get upset by something, I can literally just take a deep breath, and it's gone. And that, I mean, it's taken a year and a half or whatever of really hard work, you know, to get to that point. But how wonderful to get to a point where something upsets you. It's like I had a man from the village, my, my naughty dog, who's got a, um, she's going through a phantom pregnancy again at the minute. And I'm loath to have a spade because she has hip dysplasia. And I don't want to put weight on, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, she got, she'd, she'd been clipped the day before. So she'd gone from being massively woolly to really skinny. And and her collar didn't fit. And, her, and she's got like a halter thing. And they both came off because she was really oh, no and she 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 ran she ran at this for, to this guy's little uh westy I, I honestly think she was trying to play but a big dog running up to a little dog is always a bit scary he picked the dog up she then jumped up um and it was just like oh gosh anyway he came round the in the evening and and it was a bit confrontational and I could have got really, really, really upset about it. I mean, he made out that that my dog had bitten his, but she, she actually hadn't. And it was all fine. And I said, look, so sorry. I've taken precautions. I've got her this, that and the other. She can't get out now. I am really sorry. And before, I probably would have come into the house and I would have been physically shaking because I hate mm. confrontation. I hate anything like that. And I came into the house and I just was like, right, sorted that out. Big, deep breath. 
on with my evening. And I could then just have a nice evening, make my tea, do some drawing, do whatever I needed to do. And it wasn't then kind of hanging over me thinking, is he going to come back? Is he going to call the police? Or, you know, what happens if this, what happens if he talks to my neighbours? Oh gosh, what, what this, that and the other. Just gone. Sorted, gone, don't need to think about it. And that is what is so brilliant about what you do, because you help people be able to build strategies within their heads to be able to cope with little mundane uh, occurrences like that, but also the massive, massive things that happen in life. And that's a huge thing to be able to do to help people. Yeah, it's horrible, that feeling of anxiety, but that's, and a bit like you're saying, it's that created by that living in the wreckage of our future. So projecting those disastrous scenarios into the future, for example, like you were talking about the worry of what if the man runs the police and all of those kinds of things. And that creates that anxiety. So by being able to stay in the present, it takes it away. And, and it takes practice. It's not something that you can just click your fingers and it's and it's gone. But I think by recognizing it as well, that really helps helps to change that, you know, because you'll start to realize, oh, I'm doing it again. I'm I'm projecting that into the future. It's not happening now. Right now, I'm fine. And be able to take it away. And that's what I, so I meditate every morning, I think I said to you. And for me, that's that just helps me to stay in the present. And I can then start my day with that clear, quiet mind. So then I'm able to think more creatively rather than having a million thoughts swirling around in my head. What if, what if, what if this happens? What if I don't do this, need to do this? And it took a lot of practice to get, be able to get good at meditating and be able to do it for longer and longer periods of time. You know, initially I found it really difficult because I had that mindset of I'm too busy for this. So (laughs) I'm too busy to meditate. I don't have time for this nonsense. And a lot of it was my preconceived ideas as to what it was. I couldn't see any benefit or why I would need it. And I was just willing to keep trying. And eventually I got it. And once I started to get a taste of that quiet mind, being able to just let my emotions pass pass me by and the stillness in my mind, it I then became completely hooked on it. If I don't do it, obviously I'm not perfect. You know, sometimes I don't do it. If I don't, then by lunchtime, I'm having a much worse day than when I've done it. When I do it, everything's just a lot easier because I don't have a million thoughts going around in my head. I found it such a powerful tool and actually it's such a great tool to be able to change those subconscious thoughts. You know, there aren't many times that we we have that in our day-to-day life where we're in that slower brainwave state where we're able to, to access those thoughts. So, so for me, I, it's something I do every day. And of course, it's not for everyone, not everybody wants to meditate but I I find it a really powerful tool yeah gosh absolutely and I think when you have an active mind when you first start meditating it can be quite you know you just get thoughts coming in everywhere I I was doing it on on holiday I found that this is a very bizarre thing I found I can float I can float really well (laughs) I think it's because I've got quite a lot of buoyancy um but I literally in the pool and when you're submerged and it's over your ears, you can't hear anything really. But you're <laughs> breathing. 
So all you can hear is your breathing. So I was just spending my holiday floating around this pool. Sounds amazing. Oh, God, it was honestly incredible. But then I tried to do it. I was at the pool yesterday and it's a I go to this uh, like country club thing and it's got um, a natural pool outside. And when it's a bit colder, people don't tend to go in it. And I went with my daughter and I thought, I said, I'm just going to try a bit of floating. So they're floating around the pool when there was nobody there. And she took a video of me and I was like, oh, my God, (laughs) I look like a dead body. (laughs) Just floating around. But having that, you know, getting rid of all of that external noise and just concentrating on your breath. And just allowing yourself to be so peaceful and calm. Again, Susie introduced me to meditation. And it's not something I practice like every single day for a certain period of time. But I will definitely, it definitely happens for, I don't know, five minutes every day. I will have this sort of, you know, either before I go to sleep or when I wake up or something like that. And it is just brilliant to be able to quiet your mind and not have to you know think about anything other than just whether you're breathing in and breathing out and it it, it is again you know we should be teaching this in schools we should be having coaches in schools and teaching children how to you know build these strategies to be able to cope with because I mean I think the worst time in a person's life is through those teenage years and it's horrific (laughs) yeah I I completely agree you know coaching NLP meditation all should be part of the curriculum yeah I agree there's so many simple little tools that we can use to to improve our you know well-being and our our mindset but and they're available to everybody you know they're they're things that we can just do for free that that everybody is able to do that has access to but not everybody knows about them that's I completely agree with you you know to be able to have that in the schools for teenagers would be absolutely incredible and I th- I think they are starting to introduce some mindfulness into schools I know my son's school has had some they've had some lessons on on mindfulness and some practices that they can do before their exams and that sort of thing to to help them so I think it is changing I think like anything it takes a while for it to become the norm Mm. yeah well I hope it does I really hope it does when so if you were to give some advice because you know I have a lot of students who obviously I teach people how to draw you know and that's great but actually the biggest part of what I do is around that mindset and confidence Mm. part because if you don't have the right mindset you're you're it's going to be really difficult to get where you want to be anyway because you're not going to believe you can and if Mm. you know can be you can be the most terrible artist in the world and have a belief that you're amazing and do incredibly well because you know that belief and that confidence it it grows on people and you know I'm saying terrible artist I I mean that but you know mindset and confidence is so big and you know there's a lot of my students who really struggle or find it challenging to be able to understand that they can actually change how their mind works mm-hmm. and if you you know if you had somebody in front of you saying oh no I, this is me I can't I can't change things I can't have you got any advice that you could give somebody just to sort of 
I, I guess, guide them into that direction where they could do some work. And I know it's not going to be overnight and it is hard work. But if you've got any advice that you could give to somebody who's thinking, oh, I'd quite like to do this, but I just don't think I could do it. I think um, the first thing that I normally would look at would be what's the belief that's driving that? Because there's obviously some sort of fear that's that's causing that worry that they're not going to be good enough or or the fear of failing. So, so looking at that belief, where does it come from? What is it that's driving you? So, for example, that sort of perfectionism often comes from a a belief that perhaps you're not good enough or that you're unlovable and so so then you're driven in the hope that every if I make everything perfect then I'll either prove to myself and everyone else that I am good enough that I am lovable or you hold back and don't try these new things for fear of failing so I think recognizing it in ourselves is so important because once you recognize it then you're able to start changing it but unless you recognize it for what it is and are able to shine the light on that shadow it it won't go away and and a bit, you know, I mean, I, I sort of try and think when you get to the end of your life, you know, are you going to really look back and think, oh, I wish I hadn't tried doing that drawing because I made a real fool of myself. You know, it's just a tiny little piece of your, the masterpiece that is your life. And so for me, I I had to look at a lot of, you know, where my where my beliefs came from, because they were driving me to make everything perfect um but i had i i had a lot of fear around it you know those those cause those fears that fear of of exposing yourself and it and it's all in our own heads you know it's it, no one else thinks that it's only us that think it and and i think a lot of people drive themselves to burnout doing that but also you know holding back not trying the drawing like you said you know how amazing to be able to just try it and see maybe prove yourself wrong but, you know, often those sort of subconscious beliefs, our beliefs aren't actually, they don't actually line up with what we consciously know to be true. But they're so deep within us and we pick them up in childhood that they're driving us without us even realising it. So just taking that little bit of time to, to reflect and think, what is it that's, what am I afraid of? What's stopping me trying? You, you know, that's the first step to them being able to start to work and just change that, you know, change that belief by recognising it. No idea if that makes any sense, Bonnie. No, definitely, definitely. I've got the dog barking in the other room and I'm trying desperately to text all of my children who are in the house saying, please, can you shut the dog up? And there's no response from anybody. Oh, no, I can hear my son coming downstairs. <laughs> Your dog's a lot quieter than my dog's. My dog's, you would know if they were barking, they, they, you know, make such a racket. I'm sure every neighbour in, in our town can What's hear the, them. What sort of dogs have you got? I've got two smooth box terriers. And they are real characters. Yeah, so I've always had German pointers before. And then we got a smooth fox terrier and they're a rare breed. So I'd agreed with the breeder that I'd have one litter of puppies. And then, of course, it was, oh, we don't want to sell them. We want to keep, you know, it's like 101 Dalmatians. And at one point I had six puppies, the mum and a German pointer in the house. And... We then ended up keeping three puppies with the German pointer and it was just chaos because terriers love fighting. So they were always scrapping with each other. And when we lost the German pointer, I I just kept two of the terriers. My brother's got one of them in Amsterdam and she lives the most incredible city life. She has a little um, 
crate on the front of their bicycle that she goes in so they can cycle around Amsterdam with her in it and she has the most fantastic time she's so spoiled I get little photos of her enjoying you know snuggles in bed whilst they're having coffee and on their balcony and that kind of thing I think she has the most incredible life and then I've got the mum and the son and they get on fine but I found that the mother and the daughter just ripped bits off each other all the time which is actually incredibly stressful but it's a real terrier uh, terrier oh, thing oh, no. yeah oh, but they're pretty good they're good fun yeah. you have to have a sense of humor to have fox terriers I think uh, we've got, I think we have one in the village that is a wirehead fox terrier, but I think they just look such nice dogs. It's like a, a if you were to draw a dog, you'd probably draw that kind, that, they're just like a leg at each corner, aren't they? They're just a really yeah. nicely balanced dog. They're uh, really good fun as well. They love children. They're quite bouncy. I mean, mine sort of jump up and down like they're on pogo sticks. They'll sort of jump three or four foot in the air, just up and down on the spot. And but they're I mean, they're great dogs. They used to be really popular in England 100 years ago. I think they were the most popular breed of dog. But now they're a rare breed. I think it's only sort of 90 puppies born a year in the UK. But compared to sort of tens of thousands of, you know, the more popular breeds like the Labradors and things. But I think having had a few of them, I can see why they're now a rare breed. They're an absolute nightmare when you have more than one of them. But um, yeah, they're good fun and they're, you know, they're lovely friendly dogs yeah oh I can't I can't imagine not having a a life without dogs I I, mm-hmm. I really can't I really can't I mean I've I've got three soon to be four. Oh. gosh you're brave <laughs> they are good for the soul though aren't they and I, I think oh, they're they really make me get out of bed and go and take them for a walk you know I wouldn't have got out of bed early this morning and gone for a dog walk if I didn't have to you know I'd have rather stayed in bed a bit longer but actually as soon as I'm out I never regret it you know I never regret going for a walk it's always the thought of it. it's always worse than the actual doing it you know yeah. when I get up this morning I took them for a walk about half past five and I thought oh god I've got to take the dogs for a walk but as soon as I'm out it's it's so beautiful and peaceful in the morning when no one else is around I love it yeah no I agree I've had a I've had a real struggle recently with my knee and then my back with the dog because I used to walk them twice a day and, I, and walking three quite big dogs, it wasn't was a bit of a struggle. So I'm trying to get back into that with my cycling. And I'm also started doing the swimming. So I'm swimming, and I've decided that I think swimming's my thing. I always used to love swimming as a child. My dad, so I need to write a book about my family because we do. So my dad in his life has built one, two, three, four swimming pools. Wow! Like proper big big swimming pools you know like 20 meter swimming yeah. pool, big swimming pools. so we built one we had a farm where I was growing up and he built a pool there so I would I grew up on a farm and we had a we swam and my dad was such a good swimmer I think he swam in the Swiss team he's, he's Swiss I think he swam he's, he used to wow. fly and everything so he taught us all to swim from a very early age and I used to swim for my school and I, I used to sort of swim in the school team and then I, I think I swam a couple of times for the county and um absolutely love swimming and then all of a sudden when things kind of I mean I had horses and everything but swimming you have to take yourself off don't you to the swimming um, pool and blah 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 and just recently my sister does wild swimming you know the cold water mm. well and everybody, everybody says I'm in Australia and we just call it swimming <laughs> Like, yeah. in, England, in England you don't normally swim in a river or a pond or whatever 
<laughs> no, it's pretty wild in in English weather, isn't it? Going into a into a pond or, yeah. or lake. Yeah, but I've I've suddenly sort of discovered that, and and I joined this because I don't do anything. I don't do anything for myself. I don't apart from my drawing. I don't really have any hobbies, or I read and you know watch Netflix and what have you. And and I thought, you know what? I'm going to I'm and I've joined this bar. I had to be on a wait list for quite a long time. And they have these. They have a wild. They have a pond which is probably about half a mile away from the bar, which you have to walk to. And you're literally swimming with ducks and fish and oh wow, lilies and it's in the middle of nowhere. And I went for the first time and managed to get in. And it's this very little little ladder down in. I did my swim and everything and I was like oh my god this is just fantastic nobody around at all and you had to get changed in a bird hide do you wear a wetsuit no 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 I was just doing my swimming costume oh, and, um, they gave me a float which I was quite pleased about actually then got out but I had to do this very ungainly kind of trying to get out and then kind of was crawling <laughs> along the, <laughs> the bit and then sort of trying to get up and do this but anyway um and then when I and I posted it on Instagram I had people going oh my god Bonnie you're so you did that on your own that's really dangerous and I was like I hadn't even I hadn't even contemplated that I wasn't going to be able to get in let alone get out <laughs> and that there was nobody there but it was the peace and the calm and the, just the noise of the water and just being in the water and because I've got quite a lot of joint issues everything all of the pain just goes away and it's just the most wonderful thing so I think swimming is going to be my my thing but in cold in like a natural pool they have a natural pool that's fed they've got a beautiful indoor pool that's hot mm. and, you know chlorinated and everything and then outside they've got this little natural pool where you can do lengths but it's fed by a pond with fish in and plants and there's no chlorine in it or anything like that and they've got these lovely roman steps down into it and you go you kind of lulled into a false sense of security because you go down one step and it's up to your ankles you go down the next step and it's sort of creeping up your calves you go down the next step and it's kind of a bit further up you go down the next step and you're up to your neck wow um but it's lovely so I think you know and I'm hoping that doing more swimming getting my joints going a bit better I'll be able to start my walking again but um I think just being out in nature and fresh air is wonderful isn't it yeah absolutely it gives you that that peace of mind doesn't it just you can look around you and concentrate on the you know on the beautiful things around you rather than what's going on in your head but that's I mean that sounds incredible that lake with the lilies and the fish and things and I'm not sure it's for me I'm not good with with cold water oh, I thought you were good well I didn't realize I don't know when you I was thinking oh yeah go for a lovely swim and then afterwards I was sitting on the side just having a I'd had about half an hour moment to myself and you act the fish actually jump out of the pond and grab flies and then ah. like oh I hadn't even kind of registered that there might be fish in there um but uh, no, it's something I want to do much more of, but definitely swimming. I've, I've been twice this week, hoping to go again today. But yeah, I think it's finding your thing, isn't it? It's finding something that you really enjoy doing that you can do on a regular basis without it feeling like a chore. Yeah, absolutely. And I think especially when you're sitting down a lot during the day, it's nice to do that bit of physical exercise as well. Like I like doing the dog walking or going to ride the horses or whatever it is. And I feel like I've done something and it's not a chore. I, I do a bit of yoga as well. A friend of mine's a yoga teacher and 
you know, that's always great fun. We have a real laugh. She said, I've never seen anyone stiff as you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But um, I'm sort of moulded into riding a horse position, so I I don't have any other flexibility in any other direction, but I'm getting there. It's like anything, you've just got to keep persevering and it gets easier. Yeah, you'll have your legs around your neck in no time. Mm, I don't know. We've had a few sessions where they've had to roll me off the floor and help me out, but it is getting better. It is getting better. I haven't got stuff on the floor for a while. So, yeah, it's it's, it's quite good fun. I do enjoy that. We I did try a bit of swimming. We joined a gym near us and... I quite enjoy the swimming, but I, I've got quite long hair and I can't bother to wash and dry my hair afterwards. So that was my, you know, laziness. At- <laughs> uh, oh, gosh. Well, I I um, I went in, I put my head in the water yesterday because I was doing my floating and then it dried and it dried in a really weird way. <laughs> <laughs> with my daughter and my hair's a bit bit funny at the moment anyway but it dried and it had this like wave on my fringe so I had this really funny little wave and um <laughs> so I was like I'm, they've got straighteners at this at this spa and my daughter was like what are you doing mum I said I'm just going to straighten my fringe and she was like oh. she said don't bother it's not going to look any better <laughs> <laughs> kids are great levelers aren't they oh god so funny. I get told that my son will say I hope you're not wearing that to school today but I think that's part of the joy of having children is being able to embarrass them a little bit. So um, my son bought these amazing fish flops off Amazon. Have you seen them? They're like a sort of rubber flip-flop. That it looks like a fish. They're absolutely hilarious. So he bought them and he sort of wears them around the home, our home with um, his dressing gown on, but he wouldn't wear them out. And um, I got told I wasn't allowed to come to his school assembly in case I embarrassed him. So I said I was going to turn up in the fish flops. And it was... And it was so tempting. I didn't do it because I thought it might not be very good for street cred, but I was very tempted. It would have, yeah, I think it would have made my day. <laughs> Can you imagine? I bet the other parents would have loved it. Oh, I think so. It's that, you know, my son's 11, um, he's he's 12 this year, and he's at that age where suddenly it's drop me off here, please don't come into school with me, go away, you're embarrassing, you know don't speak to me in front of my friends you know they're all sort of giving each other fist bumps outside school and they all speak like gangsters it's very fun <laughs> is he at secondary school he's starting in September oh gosh oh yeah, so, so he'll be, it's gonna get worse yeah well so he'll be a, he'll be he'll have been year six won't he so he'll have been like Definitely. the old the old one and now he'll be the the, the young one yeah so the dynamic completely changed don't they oh gosh my youngest has has just left school we get his a-level results on the 17th I think of August so that really he's looking and doing his um he wants to do actor uh test tractor driving test oh wow work on a he wants to work on it he's always wanted to work on a farm and then when we were on holiday my my big sister um she came and joined us with her husband it was so nice and she was like, well, you know, what, what are you going to do? She said, oh, well, I think I'm going to be an electrician and join her. She was like, oh, you always wanted to be a farmer. Well, yeah, I did. So she went, well, why don't you be a farmer? Oh, well, I didn't know I could be. So she was like, well, why not? So he's looking into doing farming again now, which will be lovely because he's always, God, you know, as a two-year-old, I don't know whether your son's the same, but, you know, right from being a baby up to, well, I think he even does farm whatever it is now he's got computer games that are farm where you farm and you literally yeah, just go up and down the furrows yeah yeah <laughs> oh, my son does that. I'm just I I'm think, just farming I'm just plowing 
I think it's Farming Simulator is one of the games that he... That's it, Farming Simulator. Yeah, Yeah. and they can sort of feed the cows and put hay in and all that kind of thing. Yeah, my son was always obsessed with tractors when he was younger. He seems to have gone thrown out of that phase at the moment. But we've got some friends that live in Jersey and they've got a Jersey cattle farm there that they, they milk the cows. We went to visit them last summer and he was just blown away by it he loved all the cows and said he couldn't wait to come back and he was like can I work there can I come back and work there so he absolutely loved it he thought it's fantastic and it is incredible isn't it when you go to a working farm and see all the everything that goes into it to to running it and oh and- god definitely definitely and we've got lots of we have lots of arable around us you know we do all of the McCain potatoes and everything around us which is very exciting when we see the potatoes going in and the McCain bags <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> um, but um, you know, and and Sid's always like when we go for a walk, he'll be like, Yes, well, the wheat's ready now. Well, no, we've got another couple of weeks to go, and he knows all about that sort of stuff, you know. He's really, really, really interested in it. So uh and his his bedroom overlooks the field. So when he was little, he just used to sit on the on the windowsill looking out at the combines, you know, just fascinated by them all. So hopefully he will go into it because I think it's I think it's really important to do something that you you really like to do yeah I think that's amazing my son's the same he always knows everything about how everything works and he takes on all this information and remembers it and he'll he'll just tell me oh this is how it works this is how such and such works and I I think it's amazing their retention for information on their children is unbelievable I, I have everything in my diary and I've got reminders and I still forget stuff yeah I do that as well I think it's getting old. <laughs> yeah, sadly, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Oh, do you know? I can't believe we've been talking for an hour. I could just could just chat and chat and chat. It's been so nice talking to you. And I really hope I've got some. I think I've mentioned before. I've got some stuff that in the pipeline. I've still got to write it. But I'm hoping to take on, or I'm hoping to work with some coaches uh you know in this particular thing and I'd really obviously I'll give you far more information but I'd really love to be able to work with you I think it's great and also you know I, I put all of your information and everything down and if um if anybody wants to get in touch with you you know hopefully if somebody wants a coach or anything like that you'd be able to either point them in the right direction or or help them or whatever so um it'd be yeah but it's been so nice talking to you Oh, thank you, Bonnie. It's been amazing chatting to you. I've really enjoyed it. I think I could. I reckon we've got a good couple more hours of chatting left in us. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? Once you get going, I think you know when you when you sort of come onto a podcast, it's like, oh, oh, gosh, what 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 are we going to talk about? And or uh, you know, have we got any sort of pre-formulated questions and everything, which I never have because I'm so unorganised. But then when you kind of get to the end of it, you've slipped into a little bit more comfortable, just chatting, mm-hmm. and you know, you start to kind of get some really really interesting things that come out I think and and everybody's got their own amazing story to tell and it's just been really really lovely talking to you today and sort of listening about how you've kind of come from you know grown and and I think as well it's it's really inspiring for other people to hear that you can almost have everything that you want in life but that main element missing is that real happiness and contentment and inner peace and you obviously made some massive decisions got through it and have come out the other end and I think that's really inspiring thank you yes it it certainly is possible and and actually I you know I wouldn't I wouldn't change a second of that journey because it's all 
everything that's happened has all been stuff that I've grown from and learned from. So it, it's hard when you're going through it, but but it's worth it when you get that feeling of inner peace and, and serenity. But it, yeah, I've absolutely loved chatting to you, Bonnie, and I would love to do some work with you in the future. That'd be incredible. Awesome. Brilliant. Well, I'll let you go with your, I don't think you've had one sip of tea throughout this whole conversation. Well, I have actually. I've nearly finished my cup while we've oh, been chatting. Yeah. Oh, me when I was talking and waving my hands around, you'll have been. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an expert tea drinker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well it's been an absolute joy thank you so much for for joining me and thank you we'll, we'll chat again really soon lovely thank you so much bonnie it's been lovely thank to chat you. to you all right bye i really hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of my it's a bonnie old life podcast if you did i'd be so grateful to you for emailing me or texting a link to the show or sharing it on social media with those you know who might like it too My mission with this podcast is all about sharing mine and my community's experience and hope by telling your fascinating personal stories, championing the other amazing humans in my personal, professional and membership community and to create another channel through which I can support you to realise your coloured pencil and life dreams. If you haven't done so yet, please help me on my mission to spread positivity and joy throughout the coloured pencil world by following me on my socials at Bonnie Snowden Academy or by getting on my list at bonniesnowdenacademy.com. And remember, I truly believe if I can live the life of my dreams doing what I love, then you can too. We just need to keep championing and supporting each other along the way in order to make it happen. Till next time.